Fail Films 101 is not an actual college course and cannot be taken for college credit. It is not affiliated with any university, community college, junior college, vocational training program, or for-profit corporation masquerading as a school of any kind. Professor Jay has no formal training as an educator and, in fact, went to a Missouri State College for about two semesters, ran out of money, and dropped out as a result. And now that I've covered my own ass legally, let's get on with Fail Films 101. Hello class and welcome to Fail Films 101, a pod class about the shittiest movies humankind has to offer and why we love them. I'm your instructor, Professor Jay, and class is in session. So welcome to week two of the spookening, all Halloween and or supposed to be scary movies throughout the whole month of October. Last month we talked about a little not very well-known film known as Furry Nights and... I personally had a lot of fun talking about it because that movie is fucking ridiculous. And this week, I thought it would be fun to bring back one of our favorite directors here on Fail Films. We've spoken about one of his movies previously. This movie was A Talking Cat, which, as you may remember, has two exclamation points and a question mark in the title, and it is very necessary to include those um, punctuation marks when discussing this film. I am speaking, of course, of terrible director and gay icon David Decato. Now, those of you who listened to the A Talking Cat episode may remember that David Decato is known for two types of movies. Adorable, family-friendly children's movies and softcore gay porn. He uses his real name for the softcore gay porn movies he directs, and for the fun, child-friendly films that he does, he uses the pseudonym Mary Crawford. Yep. And this is another one of his uh, child-friendly movies. Uh, This movie, it actually has three different names that it is known by. The most commonly known one, and the title that we see in the opening credits, is The Great Halloween Puppy Adventure. One of the other movies that we, or one of the other titles that we see this movie go by, and we see it on some of the posters, is A Halloween Puppy. And the third title, which we see on more of the posters, and when this movie was on Netflix, this is the title that it was listed under, A Magic Puppy. And this movie uses many of the same sets as A Talking Cat did. In fact, those who um, listened to the A Talking Cat episode remember that there was a nice fancy house and a quaint little cabin in the middle of the woods. Now, I've seen a few other David Decato films, and in every film of his that I have seen, he uses these same two houses. And I can't help but wonder if he owns these houses with the... with the intention of him using them as his filming locations, 
or if he has some kind of contractual obligation to use these two houses in every movie that he makes, or what's going on. But in practically every movie, these two houses are decorated exactly the same, and they are some very interesting design choices. In the big fancy house in A Talking Cat, we saw a couch which was literally the entire back half of a car. That entire back half of a car does make an appearance in... We're just going to call it a Halloween puppy because that seems to be the easiest title to use for saying this title out loud purposes, even though I've noted it in my notes as the Great Halloween Puppy Adventure. And this movie does also use two of the same actors who were in A Talking Cat. The mom in A Talking Cat is also the mom in this movie. And the actor who voiced the titular talking cat is the mom's boyfriend. Which, in retrospect, I guess is kind of creepy. Because it just made me feel like the mom was dating this cat. But, yeah, it's definitely something. Oh yeah, and this movie came out in 2012, so it is more recent than A Talking Cat. But that's honestly all of the information that I could find about this movie. I could not find any information about the production. The There wasn't even a Wikipedia page for this movie. And the IMDb page was not exactly a treasure trove of fun facts about this movie's production or anything. So in lieu of the production, I basically gave you all of the information that I have about the making of this movie. So, yeah, I'm just going to jump right into the plot again. Let's go for this. So, the opening credits of this movie. Now, those who listen to the Talking Cat episode may remember that the introduction to A, co- a Talking Cat <laughs> was um, literally just overly saturated footage of this cat doing cat things. And... It certainly lasted a while, but because it was footage of a cat being cute, it was pretty easy to forgive that. These opening credits are literally just a bunch of really bad CGI Halloween effects, like we see some skeletons and some ghosts and a Frankenstein's monster at one point, but... Also alongside of these really bad CGI effects, we see very real pictures of puppies just kind of lazily photoshopped on top of all of this. Now, I can't complain about this because it combines three of my favorite things. Halloween, pictures of puppies, and really laughably bad CGI. I could not complain about any of these things happening at once because it was all so great. And during these opening credits, we find out that the actor who plays the dog that we see throughout the movie, first of all, this dog is a bulldog, which is 
that's great enough as it is, if I'm being 100% honest, but we find out in these opening credits that the dog actor's name is Muffin, which, in all honesty, may very well be the best name for a, do- for a bulldog I have ever heard in my life. And, again, these opening credits last forever because that's just how David Decotto do. That's how he do. And then we get an establishing shot of the famous large fancy house. And, of course, from the outside, it kind of looks like a fancy hotel. And also, for some reason, this time there's an Easter Island head outside. I'm not sure why. I don't know who was hired to design the sets of David Decato movies, but they would need to find another job. Or, honestly, maybe they should just keep their job because maybe half the fun of these David Decato movies is the abhorrent set design. And, yeah, then we get some first-person footage of walking through the hallways of this house. And we see a teenager sleeping in bed, his foot's kind of hanging out from the bottom of where the blanket is, And then we see a hand reaching out to grab his foot, and it's supposed to be so spooky. Oh my god. But it's his mom waking him up, and she's like, how can you sleep with all these gross horror movies on? And he's like, I don't know, I like it. So then she tells him about her day, and she's wearing a white coat and a stethoscope. And she begins talking about her patients, who include a cat whose tail got stuck in a sliding glass door, a nervous parakeet, and a monitor lizard that swallowed a dog toy, which leads me to believe that this mom is a mechanic. No, she's a vet. I tried to be funny and it didn't work. But she then decides to give the son the dog toy that she managed to get out of the monitor lizard somehow. I... that... I don't know if they did surgery on this monitor lizard or what, because it was a very big dog toy, and it was kind of concerning, in all honesty. But, he then asks his mom if he can have a Halloween movie night. She's like, we'll talk about it in the morning. And then suddenly it's the morning of October 30th, which we know because at the bottom of the screen, it says October 30th, and it's literally just the sunrise. And then we get a screen wipe with... A really bad clip art jack-o'-lantern. This is the first of many screen wipes that we see with some really bad Halloween clip art. And it's the same four clip arts cycled throughout the movie. And at first, at first, it kind of seems like they're doing it in the same order, each one of these, in the, like, First we get the jack-o'-lantern, and then we get another one, and then we get another one, and it seems like it continues in that pattern for a while. And then that pattern just kind of slowly disintegrates into nothingness. So you think you know which of these bad clip arts is going to be next, and then the movie just hits you with a completely different one from outside of this order that has seemingly established or maybe even the same clip art that we just saw on the last screen wipe. It's a lot. 
in all honesty. I I don't I don't know how to process these bad clip art screen wipes that we see throughout this movie. It may slowly drive me off the deep end each time I bring it up. And if this does happen, I would like to p- apologize in advance to everyone who is listening and to my wife who will probably have to deal with me having a breakdown when she gets home from work at 8 in the morning. I'm sorry to everybody. Anyway. So, teenager comes downstairs and tells his mom that he had a weird dream about dropping out of college. And she says, is that your nightmare or mine? And he's like, relax, I have plenty of time to find myself. And she's like, you can find yourself in college. I'm not working the night shift right now so that you can stay home and watch horror movies, sleep, and eat pizza rolls. And then the teenager reminds us how much he loves pizza rolls because how else would we be able to know he's a teenager, right? I mean, every teenager likes pizza rolls. That's just science. And then he says, besides, look at this house. We live like kings. And his mom says, no, we live like people who got a good deal on a short-term lease because a formerly sick Pekingese's owner happened to be a real estate agent and was very grateful that we saved her dog. They really like to over-explain how these two people got this very nice house. And he's like, when the economy gets better, we'll be shipped back to the mean streets of Van Nuys. Hopefully I'll get it. Hopefully that'll be after I get accepted into film school. And then he remembers that it's Friday, and that means Ted's coming over with donuts. And he doesn't seem very thrilled about that. He apparent he says that Ted's alright, and the son is just glad that his mom found someone, but apparently he is very predictable, and he predicts exactly how they're how, exactly how it's going to go when Ted gets here. And then he tells his mom that he wants to go haunted house hopping tomorrow and needs to borrow the car to do so. The mom's like, no, I'm going to drive because you keep getting distracted while you drive, which is a valid point. Because this kid is, you know, like 16. And he does not seem to have a very long attention span. And as a former 16-year-old with a not very long attention span... I feel that on a spiritual level. Granted, I didn't even get into my first car accident until I was 19, but 16-year-old Professor J driving was not something I'm sure many of you would have liked to experience. Anyway, then Ted shows up with his donuts, sets them down, opens the box, starts getting the icing off of the lid of the box with his fingers and licking it. And then he asks what movies they're going to watch tonight. And then he suggests ordering Chinese food, exactly like the son predicted. And then he blows her a kiss because he doesn't do PDA, exactly like the son predicted. And then Ted heads to work, but before he heads out the door, the mom catches up with him. And she suggests that they may be stuck in a rut. He doesn't see that. He seems perfectly fine with the way things are. She suggests, like, going out and doing things, but he is 
perfectly happy with the way things are, like I just said. She wants to talk about the future, and he's like, I don't want to mess with what we have. I like it. And then he puts on his shades and heads out the door. And then we see a screen wipe with bad clip art of a ghost. It's not even like a ghost ghost. Like, it is obviously someone in a ghost costume because we see little legs poking out at the bottom with comically cartoonish brown shoes. Anyway. The sun is outside setting up Halloween decorations, and a pretty girl who we find out is named Molly shows up with a nice old book. Like, the kind of book that you can tell is going to be a big plot device in a movie like this. And apparently she likes to read, and he's like, reading's overrated. Because he's a lazy teenager, and he doesn't care about anything. Except Halloween. He loves Halloween, and he will remind us of that throughout this movie. Constantly. Anyway. But he sees the old book, and he's kind of excited about it because it looks like the book from Evil Dead, which I'm not even going to bother trying to pronounce because... Don't hate me for this, folks. Because... I have never watched Evil Dead. I know, a bad movie expert that has never seen any of the Evil Dead movies. I'm fully prepared for all the hate that I am about to get. Go ahead. Get it all out of your system right now. I'll give you a few minutes to do so. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm really bad at staying quiet that long, but you can... You can go back and pause in that little silence there, if you'd like, and just completely lay it all on me, and then when you're ready, you can hit play, and we can get back to class. See, that's the nice thing about doing this whole thing on the internet, rather than doing it live. Learning at your own pace, folks. Anyway, so she doesn't know what that is, and he's like, you're so smart, but about all the wrong things. And she's like, I got it at a place called Dark Delicacies. And she opens up the book, and it's full of spells and shit. She's like, I thought it would be a nice little prop for your Halloween movie night. And she's like, ooh, maybe we should do a spell together. And he's like, I don't know where we're going to find things like the Horn of a Unicorn. And she's like, oh, most of this stuff has modern equivalents. And he's like, how do you know that? And she's like, oh, I'm just casually interested in this. I'm definitely not a witch, not in the slightest. I am in no way, shape, or form a witch. I am a perfectly normal, 100% human, ordinary person. I mean, she doesn't say that in so many words, but... Like, that is the strong vibe you get when she's like, oh, I'm just casually interested. Anyway, he's like, oh, you're a witch, kind of joking. And she's like, oh, no, I'm not a witch. And, he, and she's like, yeah, or he's like, yeah, get back on your broom, Harry Potter. And she's like, I'm going to go put this book away. And then we get a screen wipe of clip art of ghosts coming out of the top of a jack-o'-lantern and see this one so the other ones had kind of a transparent ba background so they could easily be superimposed over the scene this one did not have that it is literally just like how do i put this 
It looks like something that you would find on DeviantArt, but for clip art, if that makes sense. It probably doesn't make sense, but honestly, that's the best way I can describe this picture. And since it doesn't have a transparent background, it's literally just a rectangle of this clip art doing the screen wipe. I don't know how else to describe this, folks. I really don't. And I am very sorry for my bad descriptions of things, but it is 1.07 in the morning, and my brain is completely broken from this movie. Thank you very much for that, David Ducato. I truly appreciate it. Anyway. Molly goes inside and puts the book on the table. She says hi to the mom, and the mom's like, Oh, hi, Adam's outside hanging up Halloween decorations. And in true David Ducato fashion, this is how we basically find out all of the characters' names. We don't find them out until other characters say the names. So we don't even find out the mom's name until about halfway through the movie. But anyway, so the son's name is Adam, and she's like, oh, I know, I just wanted to come in and say hi. And the mom's like, oh, that's sweet of you. Here, have some donuts. Adam ate all the maple bars, but there's probably still some jelly left. And the mom's like, oh, do you still have, do your parents still have that cabin in the foothills? And Molly's like, yeah, you know, my parents said that you can use it anytime you want. Are you thinking about getting away for the weekend? And the mom's like, yeah, I have some personal stuff going on. And I think going away for the weekend could be helpful or could help one way or another. That's what she says. And Molly's like, is it Ted? And the mom's like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't be burdening you with this. And Molly's like, oh, no, it's fine. And I was like, I'm going to go ahead and call your parents right now. Thank you so much for being a good listener. And then we cut back to Adam hanging up more Halloween decorations in the yard. And a couple of douchebags come out from the woods. And they definitely look like your typical teenage douchebags. I don't know how else to describe them. And Adam says, oh no, it's the twins. And you literally only know that these two are twins because everyone keeps referring to them as the twins. They do not look like they could even be related. Like, at all. They look like two perfect strangers who had never met before the filming of this movie. But they have to be related because they're the twins. So, I don't even fucking know. But. The douchebags come out from the woods, and they're like, what are you doing? Whatever it is, it looks stupid. And he's like, I'm making a trick-or-treat display for Halloween. And they're like, oh, that is stupid. We're making a haunted house at our place, and it'll be the scariest thing you've ever seen. And Adam's like, I don't know. I've been to the haunted hayride and the haunted hotel. And one of the douchebags says, oh, no, this is a verbatim quote, by the way. What he says is, oh no, ours is going to be the scariest. It's going in our garage, and it's going to be totally scary. I don't think whoever was writing this script thought about how these words were going to come out of people's mouths, which should be every screenwriter's first thought when they're writing a script, is how is this going to sound coming out of a living human being's mouth? But this screenwriter didn't do that. This wasn't written by David Decato, by the way. It was written by somebody else. Anyway, Molly sees the twins through the window, and they start to rummage through Adam's box of Halloween stuff, saying that they're going to take it for their haunted house. 
Adam starts to stand up for himself, but then he just kind of fucking lets the twins take his stuff. The mom comes into where Molly is. And she's like, okay, I'm going to go pick up the keys from your parents for the cottage. She sees the twins rummaging through Adam's stuff. And Molly's like, yeah, Chad is always making a point to borrow whatever book of mine that I'm reading. I don't even think he knows how to read. Which, by the way, I guess the twins' names are Chad and Nikki. But they refer, they are referred to as the twins more than they are by their own actual names. Which I guess seems to be pretty accurate for most sets of twins that I know in real life, in all honesty. Including one of no i have dated i have dated two different twins now that i think about it i mean not both of them i have dated one person from a set of twins and then another person from a different set of twins but this was like god this was a while ago this was like over a oh my god this was over a decade ago holy shit i'm old anyway (laughs) little adhd tangent for you there so the mom sighs and she's like i better go rescue him and the twins continue to rummage through the stuff while Adam kind of mopes off on his own, even though off on his own is really about three or four feet away. And she looks at the twins and she's like, I need to speak to Adam. You can come back on Monday. And they're like, oh, we're just going to take the box and go. And after they leave, Adam's like, yeah, I kind of had a feeling that they were going to come. So I kept the good stuff inside and that bag is mostly filled with moldy newspapers which the mom thought was brilliant, and I kind of thought was brilliant, too. That's honestly probably the smartest thing that's ever happened in a David Ducato movie. So, then we get a screen wipe with clip art of the silhouette of a witch flying in front of a full moon. And we get a little, um, a little, uh, public domain audio of a witch cackling as we, as we see this. And I think the, I think this is the only instance that we hear that audio when we see this witch screen wipe going through. So the mom comes inside and she sees the book that Molly has left on her table and she kind of opens it. And then Adam pops up behind her and she jumps and she's like, ah, you scared me. And then she goes, listen, Ted and I, and then Adam cuts in, getting married. And... I guess he actually kind of seems excited about that, despite the fact that he doesn't really seem to care all that much for Ted. But anyway, so the mom's like, no, it could be the opposite. And Adam says, you're going to kill him? And I don't think the mom ever says yes or no to that. I honestly don't remember. But the mom talks about how she's not quite sure if their relationship is going anywhere, and if that's the case, she wants to know now, rather than, you know, in a few years. And... Adam says, you mean in November, right? Not on Halloween, my favorite day of the year. And she's like, I want to go away with him to Molly's parents' cabin for the weekend so that we can kind of talk about our feelings and stuff. And I'd like you to come with me and kind of be my moral support. And Adam is not happy about that because 
as previously mentioned, he loves Halloween. Like, a lot. He wants to be there for the trick-or-treaters, and he wants to watch horror movies and keep decorating the house and do more Halloween-y things. And the mom's like, I'm gonna make it up to you, but I think you're man enough to know that when things like this happen, they need to be taken care of right away and not put off into the last minute. And then he's like, fine, I'll go. And the mom hugs him and she's like, thank you, thank you so much, I'll make it up to you. And that's when we get the screen wipe of the jack-o'-lantern clip art again. I think that's the second time of maybe 12 that we see that jack-o'-lantern. But then we see Molly in Adam's room and she's reading a book. I don't think it's the spell book. I, it might be. I don't know. It's probably the spell book, in all honesty. So Adam is bummed about going to the cabin, and he asks Molly, he's like, she, he's like, did you know anything about this? And she's like, not really. And he, he's like, you could have given me some warning. And she was like, I don't know. She just kind of came up with it and ran with it. And then he's like, this is all Ted's fault. And Molly's like, I thought you liked Ted. And man. Adam is like, what I like is, and then he starts listing off the different Halloween rituals he has, which is a lot of them. I honestly think that that lasts about three or four minutes of him listing off the different things that he likes about Halloween. I apologize for any background noise, by the way. This is, it is now about 1.30 in the morning. And my cats have decided that it is wrestling time. I'm going to try and edit as much as I can of it out, but can't make any guarantees because it's 1.30 in the morning and I am very tired. Anyway, so he goes on quite about quite a while about the different Halloween rituals he's going to be missing out on due to this camp, this cabin weekend. And she's like, oh, you're doing the right thing by helping your mom out. That's why I like you. And she's like blatantly like laying it on thick, flirting with him. And he's like, this stinks. I'd much rather be doing Halloween stuff. But of course, Molly's like, really? Like, I'm flirting with you and all you can say is this stinks. But teenage boys are oblivious and then he asked her to come along on this cabin weekend i guess to make things more bearable for him and she immediately agrees like doesn't even like think about it like at all she's just like yes i will go it means more time with you she doesn't say that part but she definitely thinks about, she thinks it pretty loudly and then he's like does the cabin have internet or whatever he goes on like a long thing about what he wants the cabin to have but it mostly boils down to, like, internet and, I guess, a gaming connection because it's 2012. And she's like, uh, the cabin doesn't have that. And then he gives a really, really dramatic no. And she's like, I'll find something to cheer you up. And that's when we get that ghost screen wipe again. And then we see Ted, and he's sitting on the couch talking to the mom. And he doesn't seem too thrilled about the thought of going to this cabin for the weekend to talk about feelings and their relationship. He literally says that he is very outside of his comfort zone. She's like, that's not a bad thing because honesty is good. 
and he's talking about all the different stuff that he has to do with the weekend. He has to pick his car up from the shop. He has to pick up some papers from the office or something like that. And she's like, well, I really want to leave tomorrow. And he says, and I don't, I don't know what this means. I genuinely don't. But what he says verbatim, I appreciate you taking the bull by the horns. I just hope my horns do more than honk. What does that mean? Like, what does that even mean? I've literally never heard that saying before. And I have no clue what the fuck it means. Like, if any of you have an idea of what that means, please feel free to tell me. Because I am so confused. Anyway. So she's like, well, if you have all this stuff to do in the morning, why don't you just meet us up there? It's only an hour drive. And by the time you get here, I'll have some iced tea brewing. It'll be a grand old time. And he's like, is there a hammock or a rope swing or something like that? And she says, maybe. And then she walks off. And then he's like, I knew this was too good to be true. I guess he wanted like something noncommittal. And I don't know. But I guess now he's starting to question things a little bit, too. And then we get the witch again as the screen wipe. And suddenly it's night and it's in the backyard and Molly and Adam are sitting in front of that Easter Island head in the middle of a candle circle in the yard. Apparently it's supposed to make him feel better. And Molly's like, the object of your stress will turn into a demon. And... He's like, I actually kind of feel bad about turning Ted into a demon. And Molly says, you know, I can't actually bring forth a demon with an old book, right? I'm just trying to cheer you up with some mumbo jumbo. And he's like, where did you get all these like candles and potions and stuff anyway? Like, where did you even get this? And she's like, "Eh, it's just interesting and it relaxes me. And then she's like, okay, repeat after me. And then she says some stuff in Latin and he doesn't take it very seriously he kind of fucks around and says a bunch of like random words like necktie and things like that and then ted kind of pokes his head out the window or the door and he's like hey what are y'all doing and uh and molly's like oh it's an art project and adam says yeah for science and ted goes oh neato And then, like, a ball of light comes from the uh, candle that's in the center of the circle and kind of hits Ted, like, right in the head. And it makes him tired. And he's like, I'm going to go lay down. Um, Hey, Adam, will you tell your mom to send me the directions to the cabin? And he's like, yeah, will do. Good night. And Ted goes to lie down. Adam and Molly kind of laugh it off, and then Molly looks down and notices that the center candle is now gone. And she heads out and tells Adam that she'll see him tomorrow. And then we see Ted going into the living room, and he is very, very tired. And that's when we see the half-car couch thing from a talking cat that we mentioned earlier. So anyway, Ted lays down on one of the couches, not the car couch, and he falls asleep. And that's when we see the jack-o'-lantern screen swipe again. And the, the mom is home from work, I guess, and she doesn't seem happy. 
She asks Adam where Ted is, and Adam's like, oh, Ted went home to get some sleep. He said to send him the directions to the cabin, and then he goes upstairs and goes to bed. And then we get the ghost screen swipe. That's probably the shortest amount of time between the clip art screen wipes that we see. I don't even think it was like a full five minutes. So I don't know why they felt it was necessary to add another one of those so soon, but whatever. And suddenly it is sunrise. We get the same generic shot of the sunrise and at the bottom of the screen it says October 31st. And we cut to the living room. We see behind the couch and we hear Ted mumbling about how, oh, I must have fallen asleep on the couch. I should go take a shower. I feel kind of fuzzy. But the couch is kind of comfy. Maybe I'll sleep a little bit more. And then we hear the mom saying, Adam, Adam, get down here. And there's a fucking bulldog on the couch. But we hear Ted's voice coming from the dog. Oh, shit. Apparently they can't hear Ted's voice. Ted is very confused as to what's going on. And Adam and his mom are trying to figure out how a dog got into their house. The mom decides that the dog is going to come with them on the trip, and she picks him up. And Ted's like, wait, how are you able to pick me up? There's no way my diet's working this well. And he's like, oh, I must be dreaming. And then the mom and Ted, who's in her arms, pass by a mirror, and that's when Ted realizes he's a dog. He's like, oh, shit. I guess this is the part where I wake up. Come on. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up, Ted. And he's like, oh, I don't want to be a dog. And then Molly pops into Adam's room. She's all ready to go. And Adam's like, oh, a stray dog got into our house. And I guess now he's coming with us on the trip. And Molly's like, do you think there's any way your mom will delay the trip? And Adam's like, no, because when my mom sets her mind to something, she goes hard or goes home. Like she finished five years of vet school in three years. And Molly's like, so I guess there's no way. And he's like, yeah, no. And then I was like, kids, come downstairs, get some donuts, we're about to leave. And then we see the mom walking Ted on a leash. Kinky. And as the kids are starting to get into the car, those twins approach. They figured out that the box that they stole last night was basically just full of crap, and they want some better Halloween decorations to steal. They want to take the book that Molly has in her hands. Molly's like, no. And Adam's like, oh, we have better stuff in the house. And the twins are like, good, we'll take it all. And that's when the mom comes outside and puts Ted in the car. And then she looks at the twins and essentially tells them to go fuck themselves. But they're like, yeah, we kind of need the decorations because Halloween is tonight. And she's like, we will deal with you later. Fuck off. She's on a mission. And Ted, hearing all of this from inside the car, says, You tell him, Linda. So that's how we figure out the mom's name is Linda, even though we're maybe about a fourth of the way into the movie now. We are only just now learning the mom's name. So that's certainly a thing. And then we just get some shots of the car driving down a windy wooded road. And we hear some completely irrelevant... Halloween road trip banter. The scene goes on for much, 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 much longer than it should. I honestly think this little scene takes about five to ten minutes. I really think they only 
threw it in there to pad out the runtime, as per uh, David Decato's brilliant mind and brilliant decision-making capabilities. So they finally make it to the cabin, which is literally just the cabin that we see in A Talking Cat, except this time they've painted it green. To be fair, this movie was made in 2012, and A Talking Cat was made in... 2013, actually. So, a... So, the Great Halloween Puppy Adventure, slash a Halloween puppy, slash a magic puppy, is actually older than A Talking Cat. So, I guess the cabin was originally green and they painted it a more neutral color for a talking cat. I don't know. I genuinely thought that um, the Great Halloween Puppy Adventure came after a talking cat, but I could be wrong about that. Could be. Obviously, I am wrong about that. I don't know why I said could be, but I'm getting a little ADHD off topic here. So once they get inside, Linda recommends that Adam and Molly go on a walk. Adam's not too thrilled about it, but Molly's like, sure, why not? And drags him out of the house. And then as they leave, Linda looks at the dog and says, hey, while they're doing that, let's give you a little checkup, see if you're healthy while we wait for Ted. And Ted is like, well, this is ironic. Look in my eyes. I'm Ted Gimble, CPA. Member of the Rotary Club and outstanding citizen. I vote! And then he talks more about himself and how boring he is. And in the middle of his little tirade about how boring he is, that's when Linda starts, you know, giving him scratches and belly rubs, and he is loving it. And then we get a short little montage of Ted enjoying being a dog and narrating all the fun things he's enjoying. He's sniffing the grass, he's smelling all kinds of smells, Linda's rubbing his belly and scratching his ears and wrestling with him and all that fun stuff. And, yeah. And then we get the jack-o'-lantern screen wipe again. And then Molly seems to be enjoying being out in nature. Adam, not so much. They stumble across a house that is decorated for Halloween, and Adam's like, oh, I really enjoy this Halloween display here. And that's when Cindy Brady... I'm not making a joke. This is literally the actress who plays Cindy Brady, Susan Olsen. She comes out of the house, and she looks pretty witchy. Like, not, you know, your green-skinned, cackly witchy. Like, your Stevie Nicks witchy. Like, I never thought Cindy Brady could look identical to Stevie Nicks, but apparently that movie proved me wrong on something I never knew I would ever be proved wrong on. And Molly introduces her to Adam as Rachel, a family friend, who lives in this cabin full-time, basically. And that's when Rachel says, why don't you, uh, why don't you, uh, stay here and relax, I'll make some lemonade, and then you can tell me about last night. And Adam's like, what do you mean? And then Rachel says, the spell you two cast last night, you tapped into some major energy, and I'd be curious to see what became of it. And then we go back to Linda giving Ted some belly rubs, and it's literally just the same footage from the montage that we saw earlier. I say earlier, but I mean like maybe about two or three minutes ago. 
it's literally the same footage they just copied and pasted it but with different narration from ted this time but it's just another montage of ted enjoying being a dog which honestly if this whole movie was just this beautiful bulldog just getting pet and getting its ears scratched and getting belly rubs and sniffing the ground honestly that i would have bought about 12 copies of this movie to keep for myself if this were the whole movie but sadly that is not the case this was not the whole movie it's just footage that we see multiple times throughout and that's when ted starts to be like oh linda i never knew that you were so much fun i never knew that you were so active i love you so much and then we cut to rachel bringing the kids lemonade she apparently loves having visitors especially ones with a little magic in them that's what she said at least molly says she found an old spell book and adam's like that's why you brought it molly said she didn't think they would actually cast a spell and they were just fooling around rachel says you know as well as i do that there's no such thing as fooling around and that's when rachel starts talking about all the things good and bad that magic can bring and she talks about how molly is actually quite knowledgeable about magic rachel encourages them to bring the book by later just to make sure they didn't open up a portal to the netherworld and then that's when adam is like wait what portal to the netherworld and she's like yeah sure if you say one thing wrong that could lead to some pretty disastrous effects and then she looks at adam and she's like oh my god adam your your arms your hands they're turning into tentacles and adam like freaks out but it turns out rachel was just fucking with him and she starts laughing and molly starts laughing and molly's like oh boy you sure are gullible and that's when we get the ghost wipe screen 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 wipe whatever i'm very tired we get more footage of ted and linda ted's really enjoying being a dog like really enjoying it but again it's the same copy and pasted footage and ted's like oh boy i'm starting to get tired playing is hard work and then we get the jack-o-lantern screen wipe and that is actually probably the shortest amount of time we get between screen wipes forget what i said earlier this is absolutely 100 percent the shortest time we get between screen wipes then we get an establishing shot with some footage of a lovely little stream like we see at the beginning of a talking cat and adam and molly make it back to the cabin and linda asks if they've had a nice walk and molly's like yeah i uh took adam to a friend's house who lives in the woods and she loves halloween meanwhile the mom is worried about ted and she can't get a hold of him adam's like oh i'm sure he'll show up soon and then they like adam and molly ask linda how the dog is and the mom's like well he's healthy and cute and adam tries to convince linda to keep the dog but she'd rather save money for uh, college for Adam and a cottage to retire to. And Adam calls her too practical, and this sets off Linda's berserk button. She goes on about how practical is what kept them going throughout difficult times. And that's when Adam decides to go and take another walk, this time by himself. And Linda offers to make some iced tea for her and Molly. And then we get another ghost screen wipe. I, I say another, but it's literally the same ghost screen wipe that we just saw moments ago. It's the same ghost screen wipe we see throughout the whole movie. But Linda tells Molly that she's worried about Ted, and Molly's like, oh, I'm sure he'll, he'll show up. And that's when 
Ted sits next to them on the like outside furniture because they're like sitting on the porch having this conversation in like some wicker outdoor furniture and Ted walks up and sits on the couch next to Molly and he's like how can I get Linda's attention and this is when Molly and Linda start to have girl talk Linda says she's not sure if she knows what she wants from Ted Molly's like what do you mean and Linda says have you ever wanted a boy to notice you in a romantic way and Molly's like yes I think I know what that's like not even remotely subtly talking about Linda's son but and Linda's like oh it's great when it finally happens but there's a step after that where you actually like want to talk about your feelings support each other grow with each other and Linda wants that but she doesn't think Ted wants to get to that spot because men can be pretty fucking clueless and Molly's like you should tell him and Linda's like eh and that's when Molly's like oh right that's what you're trying to do and then we hear Ted say oh Linda and Linda starts talking about how it's difficult to put yourself out there like that and then they change the subject Molly asks what she's going to do with the dog when they get back and Linda's like oh I'm probably just going to take him to the pound on Monday and Ted does not like the sound of that obviously Adam returns from his walk and apologizes to Linda Linda apologizes back she's just worried that Ted's still not there and Adam's like oh I'm sure he'll turn up soon but Molly and I should probably get this book to to Rachel's house before Ted does get there. And it seems like he may have put two and two together at this point. But the scene that we see later on, and by later on, I mean in just a few moments, kind of negates that. He does not seem to have put two and two together once he gets to the house. But this little moment kind of made it look like it. Anyway, so... Adam's like, once Ted gets here, we'll get some food, we'll tell some ghost stories. And Linda's like, oh, that sounds nice. And Adam's like, I made one up on my walk about a zombie chick who gets hungry, deep fries her own face, and eats it. And Molly's like, why does it have to be a chick? And Adam says, because if it was a dude, it'd just be silly. And Linda's like, okay, I retract my statement. That does not sound nice. It sounds gross. And meanwhile, in his head, Ted's like, ah, how do I prove to these people that it's... that?" This is me, Ted, right here. And then we get that montage of Ted enjoying being a dog again with the same footage. And then we get the witch screen wipe. And Adam and Molly bring the book to Rachel. Rachel says that the book is very old and contains very powerful magic. And then she asks them which spell they used. Molly turns the page and asks what she did. Rachel says, Oh, Molly, you couldn't have known the power that this book contains. And Adam asks if Rachel can fix it. She says no. She asks if they can find someone to fix it. And she said that they don't have time. And he's like, oh, come on, throw me a bone. And Rachel's like, this is a transfiguration spell. Only a few practitioners may be able to try and help, but it would take years of training to do so. And Molly's like, oh, I knew something didn't feel right. And Rachel says, it never should have come to light. I guess the power that this book contains. And Rachel's like, uh, oh yeah, you cast the spell right around Halloween. The, the veil between worlds is at its thinnest, and the spirit energy from that made it even more powerful. Oh shit. And Adam's like, so if I had cast the spell on St. Patty's Day, I'd have a pot of gold by now. And Rachel's like, that's a complete, and he says this completely jokingly, by the way. But Rachel, completely serious, says, it's a completely different spell in a completely different book. And Adam's like, oh god, and what beast did we unleash again? Rachel's like, you didn't unleash something, but you did transform someone. And Rachel's like, did you light the candles, use the proper potions, lit the ceremonial candle? And Molly says yes to all of the above. 
And then Rachel says, did you say the correct words in the correct order? And they didn't because Adam had been fucking around the whole time. Rachel asks exactly what they said, but he doesn't remember because he said a whole bunch of stuff. And Rachel's like, we can fix this, but we need to know exactly what you said. So they go over, like, the goofy words that they said. And Rachel's like, did somebody say neato? Because if not, you should be okay. But apparently, Ted said neato when he saw that their project, he saw their project. And Adam's like, oh God, what beast did I turn Ted into? And Molly says, puppy. So he puts two and two together. When the dog showed up is right around the time Ted disappeared, blah, blah, blah. And Rachel's like, okay, so you need to take Ted back to where the spell was cast. And if you say the words in reverse order, that should do the trick. But they do need to move quickly because if it's not done before Halloween is over, Ted could be stuck as a dog forever. Rachel tells them to bring the book back when they're done so that she can put it away properly. And all of a sudden, Adam suddenly doesn't believe that any of this is happening, and he basically asks Rachel to prove to him that she's a witch, which is probably, in any other situation, not the best idea. But this is a children's movie, so nothing bad happens. Rachel just makes, like, a ball of light come from her hands, and that's enough proof for Adam. He says, okay, let's go. And then we get the jack-o'-lantern screen wipe. Adam and Molly get back to the cabin. They come up to Ted and ask if that's him. And Molly's like, you seem mad, Ted. And we hear Ted, yes, I'm mad, but it's me. You know it's me. Huzzah! He literally says huzzah like he's at the fucking Renaissance Festival. And then Molly asks Adam, what are you going to tell your mom, the truth? And Adam's like, oh, no, she's not going to believe the truth. We're going to lie a lot. And Linda comes out and announces once again that she's worried about Ted. Adam's like, oh, don't worry, Ted called me, and he's on his way. And Linda's like, well, why didn't he call me? And Adam's like, well, he couldn't get a hold of you, so he called me. And he's like, yeah, his car broke down. And Linda's like, but didn't he just pick his car up? And Adam says, yeah, he uh, broke his car again. And he makes up a bunch of really bad lie mumbo-jumbo shit. Molly jumps in and covers for him, and she's like, Ted wanted to do something really nice for you, but he got a little bit tied up. And Linda doesn't question Molly's lie, and they all head out to go meet Ted. So then we get the ghost and jack-o'-lantern screen wipe, and then they are going back on the windy road with the footage of the car driving down the road and Halloween banter voiceover along with it. Again, goes on much longer than it needs to, padding out the runtime. And then we actually see some footage of them in the car as it's starting to get dark. And Molly's like, oh, I'm just making a list of things that we're going to need for... And then she realizes that Linda's in the car and that she can't fully say what is be- she's making a list for. So Adam jumps in and is like, oh, is it for the costume that you're going to wear tonight? And Molly's like, yeah, that's what it is. And Linda just wants to know what Ted's big surprise is. And then we get the ghost screen wipe. They drop Molly off and make it back to their house. Adam takes Ted into the backyard to the spot where they cast the spell. Molly gets so close to the house, she's almost there. And wouldn't you know it, she gets stopped by the twins. Fucking shocker, they steal the book. And Adam's wondering where Molly is. Ted's worried he's going to be stuck a dog forever. And Molly does make it back to the house, but she 
tells them about how the twins took the book. If they want it back, they're going to have to go through the twins' haunted house. And Adam's like, oh, the twins are going to beat us up if we do. And Molly's like, yeah, but if we don't, Ted will be stuck a dog forever. So they go ahead and go. And it really just looks like a garage filled with dollar store Halloween decorations. But they seem genuinely scared of it. They go down the, sk- the stairs and... Honestly, this whole haunted house looks like it was designed by a bunch of second graders. Or at least that's what I would say, but honestly, that's not fair to the design skills of second graders. Second graders probably would have done a much better job with this haunted house. So they make it to the area where the book is on display, but that's when the twins pop up. They try to talk Adam and Molly into helping them with the haunted house by pretending to be their their victims for the night when the kids come through. Adam tries to take the book. They stop him. Molly approaches them and demands that they give her back the book. They don't take her seriously. And then Molly starts rubbing her hands together and launches a ball of light at them. The twins are terrified and they run away. Molly grabs the book and Adam's like, what did you do? And she said, nothing that can hurt them. And they run off with the book. And that's where we'll go ahead and leave it. But I do have one more thing that I want to say. It's not related to the plot at all. But intertwined with the end credits... We see some delightful photos and videos of Muffin, you know, the dog actor, just enjoying being a dog. And it's not the same footage that we've seen throughout the movie. It is different footage of Muffin enjoying being a dog. And I thought that this was so important that you all needed to know about it. So that brings us into what makes this movie special. And there's a lot that we could go with here. David Decato is just, his brand of bad movie is... A little bit different from a lot of the bad movies we talk about like yes the acting is bad and cheesy a lot of the effects are terrible like these are all like core tenets of some of these bad movies but there's just something about the whimsy of these movies that he i i haven't seen his softcore game porn movies don't get me wrong so i can't talk about how whimsical those are but the movies that he makes as mary crawford these fun delightful romps for children that all take place in the same two locations and usually involve a talking animal of some capacity there's just something downright delightful about these movies like there's just something you know like when you would watch a movie and even when things seemed to get the going got a little rough in those movies it you knew it would be okay in the end because it was a delightful romp intended for children and you kind of get that vibe from these David Decato films, but on a different level. I don't know how to describe what watching a David Decato slash Mary Crawford film makes me feel. But it's just, I guess it's just something about the magic and joy of, I don't want to say Disney-esque. It's not Disney-esque because Disney is generally very, very good. And these are not in any way shape or form i guess the long story short what makes this movie special is what makes a talking cat special or other david decato films that i know we will be talking about later on down the road and that is just the magic and whimsy of it all like yes the the magic quote unquote is laughably bad but it's just the way that it hits you if it makes sense so honestly go watch this movie if you haven't watched a talking cat yet go watch that movie Honestly, just look up a list of David Decato, Mary Crawford films. Just do that and watch as many of those that you can find as possible. We will be, later on down the road, we will be talking about another David Decato film. 
this is going to be a movie that we talk about for Easter. This movie is called An Easter Bunny Puppy. So this coming Easter, Easter 2020, will be another David Decato film. There will probably be more in between there. Who knows? Not me. But this is not the last y'all have heard of David Decato on in this class, is what I'm trying to get at. So I think that's a good, pretty good time to kind of wrap things up. You can find us on Facebook at FailFilms101, Twitter at FailFilms101, online at FailFilms101.com. Um, we are hosted on anchor.fm and anchor distributes the podcast to various other platforms like apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher Castbox, just a multitude of podcasting platforms so honestly you can just go into whatever app you use to listen to your podcast and just search for fail films 101 and you'll find us there and if you like what you hear if you know any other bad movie lovers who genuinely enjoy bad movies the way that we all do Go ahead and tell your friends about it, because as I say every, practically every week, I love doing this. And there's just something that, like, when I see the amount of listens that each episode gets, like, very few of them break 10 listens. I'm not going to lie. But just knowing that those 10 or so people are along for the ride with me and having as much fun as I am listening to me ramble on about these bad movies, that makes it worth it. It really does. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, got a little sappy there. But, yeah. Um, what else am I missing? Oh, yeah. All of the notes that I, talk, that I use to talk about this, the movies we discuss are hosted in our Google Classroom, which you'll go to classroom.google.com and type in the classroom code ZWI513S. So the notes for... Most of the movies that we've covered so far since I started actually taking notes and using them for my writing, they're in there. There's also generally some other supplemental materials like clips from the movies we watch and talk about, things like that. The very first movie that we talked about in this class, The Room, there is the original script of the, of the play slash movie, The Room, is in the Google Classroom in PDF form. And that script is even more buck wild than the actual movie turned out to be. So if you want some fun, light reading, you can find that there. And I'm also most likely going to be posting the notes for Romeo and Juliet Sealed with a Kiss, a.k.a. the Forever Lost episode, which I feel terrible about. But uh, I guess that's just taught me what not to do when recording with a guest in person. Take all precautions to make sure your computer doesn't come unplugged and the files don't get corrupt. But I will most likely post those notes in the Google Classroom after the spookening ends. And speaking of the spookening, we do have, uh, I believe, two more episodes to cover in the spookening. And I am keeping those films a surprise, but I do want to say that one of these films may have a very special guest who we have never had on the show before. I'm not going to spoil who, and I'm not going to spoil what movie we covered. But we sat down and watched this movie together. This was one of her favorite movies, bad movie-wise, from when she was a kid. And it's a classic, and it's this was my first time watching this particular bad movie, and I was like, oh my god, this is ridiculous. And she's like, yeah, I know, isn't it? 
So hopefully she will come on with me and talk about this movie because I think she'll have a lot to say about it. But even if not, no worries. I have more bad horror slash Halloween movies to talk about. So in the meantime, I do also want to apologize for getting this episode up so late. Um, It's been a little busy here in the Professor J household. So I apologize if my schedule is not as strict with the uploads as I would like it to be, but I am doing my best to get every episode out there on Thursdays every week. And I thank you all for sticking with me and continuing to listen to me ramble on about these ridiculous movies and go on little ADHD tangents and all that fun stuff. Sorry, I'm getting sappy again. I'm going to go ahead and end this episode before my cat thinks it would be a fun idea to take advantage of me in my sappy state and look cute while laying on my keyboard. So I'm going to end this episode right now. Thanks again for listening. Class dismissed.